Christian, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one big idea at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hey, Brandon. Brandon. Good to see you all shined up and ready to go today. That's right. <laughs> that was my attempt to bridge into what we're talking about. It was an yeah. interesting attempt. Yeah. I, I didn't think it through. Uh, uh, we are going to be talking about cleansing. We are going to talk about disgust. We are going to talk about baptism. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I think particularly for anybody who comes from purity culture, whether no matter what that purity relates to um whether it is sexual and bodily or relates to really clear in out boundaries around morals or behavior of others um a lot of that shows up weirdly in all these little like suddenly a, a, a simple word in the text springs out all of this uncomfortable strangeness like one of those like snakes in a can <laughs> <laughs> that's a good image i like it yeah my my image game so far has been a little a little weird today but yeah this is this is gonna be an interesting one uh i've found that uh you know you and i've been talking about disgust for what seven years. eight years now yeah yeah and really getting into the weeds of just how to um, be more faithful to the texts just in in one gospel has been a, a fun exercise over uh, Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. over the past couple months with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, we'll be talking about Richard Beck and disgust again as we like to do. Uh, do we have we officially established that our favorite authors are Richard Beck and uh, Wilde Gaffney? Is that they've been very influential for both of us for sure especially on this topic oh man yeah yeah i think yeah what should we start there and just explain man let's 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 start (laughs) uh, no let's why is why are these words even problematic to you Mm, yeah because it implies you know we hear cleansing or washing or purifying and we're like oh you're, that means that we're gross, we're dirty, there's something wrong with us, and we gotta get scrubbed so that we're not so disgusting. Yeah. And we deserve that disgust from God. Mm-hmm. And if I deserve it from God, then probably other people deserve it from me, and maybe towards myself, too. It's just this whole circle of ugh, gross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, a whole theological system is built up around that of like, you, mm-hmm. little shit, disgust God. Mm-hmm. You disgust God and God will flush you. <laughs> um, and we are somehow cleansed by Jesus, by temple ritual, by something. Jesus so that gets God, flushed in our place. That, that's That's <laughs> it. Um, yeah. so that we can be 
boy, the metaphor is getting weird here. Washed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like we Lathan's didn't start in, it. Uh, but but ontologizing um, this this image, this ritual, it started as a ritual. Yeah. And ontologizing it as the actual literal problem. Yes. And the blood of the lamb sprinkled on you and all this stuff is like, now right. you're cl- now you're clean. Like that reminds me of an actual message given by my youth pastor at youth group where he was talking about how terrible we all are and saying you're not supposed to feel better about yourself by comparing yourself to others. Well, at least I'm better than that person. And because we're all awful and disgusting, right? I don't remember the level of playing used, except for the except for the image that he used. The image that he used is like we're all turds on the lawn, and one turd on the lawn can't look at the other turd and say I'm less turdy than you. Like that that was his actual teaching of like this is how you should understand the gospel. Is we're all turds on the lawn. Mm-hmm. It's a good contextualization to suburbia. Yeah. Uh, but also not a good faithful representation of yeah. what is what's the problem and what's the solution and like what does it mean to be human is the truest thing yeah. about us that we're pieces of shit i mean if it is when you wash a piece of shit it, you're you get rid of it. There's, no, there's nothing left after yeah, you, clean you want to be that, literal about right? a metaphor here yeah yeah hmm so. It's not I, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, and no. Yes. Those listening, you missed a pretty epic eye roll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all that like internalized shame, like I do this, I do a bad thing, I or I just I am fundamentally, inevitably a bad thing or person. How can God love me? Mm-hmm. The, this. You know, I I um I lurk on a lot of spaces online where people are discussing um, recovery from purity culture and mm-hmm. um, evangelicalism and legalism, and a common theme of what is like caused tremendous mental health crises is the sense of. I can't possibly be worthy of God's love. Like if the first thing they hear is your shit, how can they trust the second thing you say, which is, and God has performed some magic switcheroo and you're clean now, or he sees Jesus now instead of the piece of shit, because you're not actually like (laughs) the metaphor falls apart, but Mm -hmm. the, the, the foundation of this is so wicked. Mm-hmm. But there it is. There yeah. it is in the text. It's All satanic. of satanic. Yeah. 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 If the if Satan is the accuser, mm-hmm. and the legacy of all this is shame, and like the first truth is about you is your accusedness, it is satanic. You're right. Mm-hmm. But the metaphor, but cleansing language, purification language, is all throughout the bible mm-hmm. whole thing what then shall we do with it what have you done with it at a big picture well, i i 
you know, to think kind of in line with our one of our recent episodes, I've tried to make it in the Hebraic context that it is in. Mm. Um, and so trying to understand what what was going on in Leviticus and Exodus and all that cleansing language that's there. Yeah. The tabernacle. And how does Jesus talk about it in Matthew and other places? And how does Hebrews deal with it? Because it's a major theme there. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to really understand, like, maybe the Bible is using these words differently than we assume as 21st century Americans. Mm. And particularly, it's using it in a more um, Hebraic sense, like this part of this traumatic, suicide-inducing legacy of ontologizing uncleanliness is it's also a move like previous the last episode towards de-judaizing the text and the faith mm-hmm. so what is why what what's so what's the jewish context of this as you understand it look there's a couple of pieces to it where i want to start is thinking about the example of it talks about cleansing the tabernacle that Moses cleansed the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't because the tabernacle was sinful, that it had been disgusting in some way, that it was causing harm or anti-God or all that would just be nonsense. Original was, sin they, of the tabernacle. They just, <laughs> right. They just built the thing yeah. and they wanted to it was like the ribbon cutting ceremony. It's like, that's good. This is, we're cleansing the temple and saying now it's designated as being for used for sacred purposes, which is how I've been translating what's traditionally holy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been consecrated to God. This is now something to be used to help humanity and the divine connect. I love that image of a ribbon cutting ceremony. This is mm-hmm. a moment of dedication. Yeah. And so you get that in other places too, like baptism is a cleansing ceremony. And we have taken that not without warrant. This is part of conversations in scripture about it of like letting go of the death that we were living in and moving into the life that we're going to be living in yeah there is symbolism there it's also that we'll look at this a little bit but like baptisms were happening with john the baptist and jesus and the disciples before jesus was crucified and resurrected that that would not have been part of the story yet. So what was the story there? Mm-hmm. It's the sense of ribbon cutting ceremony and anointing for the people being baptized. You are dedicated for sacred purposes. You are part of living out the divine reign here and now helping humanity 
and the divine connect. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I love that. It's it's a like welcome to the family in some sense. And mm -hmm. a and a it it's a blend it's not actually something that happens it's not purely something that happens to that person or or to to the tabernacle. It's something that a community does. Mm -hmm. Um with creator. To declare what is already true of it, it's a social ritual that, right. yeah, in some ways, cleanses something sacred when it wasn't before. It's a public declaration of this is already true, mm -hmm. and yeah, now and we're it's... going to start acting on that truth. Yes, and it's cleansing us, the the clean, the those who immerse, those who whatever it is. It's cleansing us of any other thing we would say to be more true about them. It's cleansing mm -hmm. my tongue from saying, this child is a sinner. Mm -hmm. It's cleansing me from saying this person is unworthy of God's love until they X, Y, Z. Yeah. But or whatever remember, Brandon, it is. They've been cleansed. How can you say that about them? Yeah. Yeah. So we are together saying this. I mean, that like we... We've both spent all, almost all of our lives in um, circles that practice believers' baptism, something that happens after you decide to follow Christ, rather mm -hmm. than the church's historic practice, which has been uh, the baptism uh, shortly after birth, um, mm -hmm. which which has more of this communal sense rooted in Jewish. Like if if baptism, one of the roots of Christian practice of baptism, is Jewish practice of it, as well as circumcision it is a dedication ceremony mm -hmm. where we can together confess this person we are confessing that they are immersed in christ or in in the divine we're in in this family together mm -hmm. and they are called to this purpose yep and the purpose being for pursuing life mm -hmm. instead of things that are related to death mm -hmm. which connects with all the other that's the other side of kind of what i had in mind about all this is the levitical laws about cutting out the mold from the wall and separating people with infectious skin diseases quarantining um like all these things like not not having cross-contamination of your foods uh not eating foods that are hard to keep from going bad in a culture without refrigeration uh it's just it's all about health and protecting people keeping the community safe um so calling the things that are infectious potentially going to make you sick unclean that's mm -hmm. that's where all that stuff is coming from and it's not because it's inherently bad it's because it's like there's a risk to your health here mm-hmm Hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, and it's not in the, the, the next thought there is like, Jesus is definitely in on that. And then you see it in acts and, and stuff too. Like what Jesus says in Matthew 15, it's not what goes into someone's body that makes them unclean, but what comes out of their mouths. It's how we're treating people 
Yes. Like what you're talking about, the disgust response, not I'm disgusting and need to be cleansed, but I need to remember that this person is worthwhile. And if I treat them, speak of them as if they're disgusting, that I am disgusted by them, that talking about them that way is unclean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It cleanses us not of being disgusting, but it cleanses us of disgust towards other image bearers of God. Right. That is a radical shift. Yeah. It's a radical shift. So can we, can you say more about like that disgust response? Yeah. It makes me think of Richard Beck's unclean that book. I'll get it off the shelf. (laughs) Oh, do it. Yeah. So it, one of the things that he talks about in that book was an experiment that was done. So yeah, Brandon's holding it up for the camera, for those of you who are listening. Um, And they had groups of people with different political ideologies that might have a hard time having a civil conversation with each other. And they did different groups. One group just came in and had a conversation and there was a lot of contempt involved in the conversation. Um, And the other group was given alcohol hand wipes, disinfecting wipes, and they were instructed to clean their hands before starting the conversation. And there was a notable difference in how much respect was shown and how people were able to stay present with their own feelings and with each other in a way that wasn't just like losing their shit. Um, after the, they had cleaned their hands. And this sense of, I washed my hands, it helps me feel cleaner, helps me feel safer, like I'm healthy and safe, which then helps me treat others with more respect and be less reactive to others because I am in a more secure place for myself. So cleansing myself means that I am not more, not that I should more, because you already should, but it helps me feel more able to treat other people with respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have, I feel less disgusting so I can treat you with less disgust. Mm-hmm. What a fascinating mechanism that is that seems to just be built into us as humans. Yeah, it's just part of our psychology, which to go back to the turds on the lawn thing, it's the very opposite thing that my youth pastor was trying to do. Be disgusted with yourself so that you'll treat other people better, like so that you'll love God more. Like it doesn't work like that. It can't work like that. That's not how human brains function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's like that disgust response, which can be so toxic to neighborliness and beloved community um the disgust Mm -hmm. response towards i mean i think that's at the root behind a lot of the people's fear and even hate and violence towards trans people uh Mm -hmm. and gay people and uh, others others in the sexual and gender minority um Mm -hmm. seems to be a substantially a disgust absolutely response it makes um, me squeamish. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how to, I'm supposed to respond. 
so even if intellectually i can say yeah they should be treated well like mm -hmm. but let's just like let's keep our distance at least you know mm -hmm. and that, and that shows up nope. in like also on race relations where people will be like good liberals but hesitate to like shake the hand of a black person or not cross the street when they're mm -hmm. on the same sidewalk um it's right. oh yeah that's fascinating because the boundary hasn't been removed we've just given good optics to not having there be an obvious hierarchy <laughs> i was told uh long ago that how racism shows up in the south is very different than like in the pacific northwest with us good liberals here mm -hmm. um in the south you might live and work side by side but there's this understanding of i'm better than you i i should have more authority and privilege than you but we can interact and we can like make physical contact even no big deal because there's that clear like we know who's on top here. Uh, whereas in the Northwest, it's like, no, like black CEOs, great. Black president, great. Like, love it. Just stay over there. Oh God. I don't know how to interact with you directly. Yeah, the culture and economic segregation in the Northwest it, for as liberal as the rest of the country thinks we are is so twisted and weird. It's so weird. Yeah, like having having yeah. discussed is an innate human thing that is meant to serve us well and keep us healthy and well. That's a big part of what this book, mm -hmm. uh, Unclean by Richard Beck, is about. Right. Um, like, yes, you should have a disgust response towards your feces, towards any feces. Um, that's a helpful mm -hmm. way to stay healthy and clean. Um, and like he says in this book, we were talking before recording, but a baby still has to be taught that to have a disgust response right, towards right. poop. You learn where to point your disgust. Mm -hmm. And that's true with poop and it's true with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you are taught, Ugh, like, wait, ew, like boys have to stay boys. Mm -hmm. And to have a disgust yep. response towards that. or And there's a subtle or not so subtle misogyny built into that, like similar to the race relations, like, yeah, we can mingle as men and women, but we know who's on top, so to speak, here. Like, and so I know how to interact with you as a woman. I can maybe be a little bit more uh, patronizing. I can maybe uh, be more deferential to a man, uh, you know. But if I don't know which category you fit in, are you above or below me in the hierarchy? then it's weird, awkward, and unsettling. And I don't know how to, I fit into this interaction. And there, that disgust response starts to come out. Well, yeah, and the core the core metaphor here, and we're going to get into um, some of your translation shifts here in a minute, but I, I think it's really good for us. I'm, I'm enjoying this exploration of like, what the hell is up with disgust? Because at the core of it, it mm -hmm. is boundary violation. Right. Yep. And that we have a disgust response, like poop should be there, not there. Even like, mm -hmm. um, you kiss your romantic partner with tongue and saliva is exchanged and that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
you spit if if she spat in her hand and then you licked it out of her hand you would revolt at it or drink it out of a dixie cup it's like mm -hmm. there's like appropriate yeah. places even for the same fluid like there's not a judgment about saliva right. but you put it in the wrong place and we have this what the f <laughs> like response mm -hmm. to it yep heck even like i might run my fingers through my wife's hair mm -hmm. and that's beautiful if one of those hairs ends up just floating and it gets tangled in like mouth and like cut in my mouth or something <laughs> like, hypothetically what in the oh it's like <laughs> hair disconnected from a person is disgusting but as long as it's attached at one end we're fine it's all good it's fine that's yeah that's a pretty funny one um yeah, yeah and so like rewind the tape on all of this and reflect on the way in which cleansing purity um and baptism language has been co-opted to reinforce social disgust to keep people out that God has called clean. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, and this is hard work. The gospel is calling us in trans, is, it should be continually transforming us. The liturgy, everything, even the Eucharist is a form of overcoming a disgust mechanism right to be able to yeah, learn how to welcome for many meaning they have been consecrated like the tabernacle yeah like everybody like yeah. not everyone's maybe has accepted that but it's offered like jesus just like throwing blood around yeah and yeah yeah and in, and in a good way uh yeah, yeah catholic means here comes everybody Mm -hmm. everybody and learning how to um be transformed through the renewing of our minds so that we can see other people as god sees them not as the world as the domination systems mm -hmm. sees them and that involves overcoming these phobias of oh oh my god someone with a tattoo, someone with a, uh, a gay person, a trans person, a black person, whatever it is, um, an undocumented yeah. person, whatever, uh, hell, a woman, um, whatever it is that you have been trained to have a uh, disgust response towards, it, it can never be mm -hmm. a human. Right. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It makes me think of, I just ran across a word in my translation work. Uh, what's, what is it? Philozenia, um, which is linguistically the literal opposite of xenophobia. Ooh, say the word um, again. So xenophobia being, you know, fear or disgust towards others, right? Yeah. Hatred of others. Yeah. Uh, philozenia, like philia, love for ah others the stranger the for like and it gets translated typically as hospitality but very literally it's other love oh so xeno goes from the start to the end and then gets right blessed yeah, with love it's flipped. oh that's good yeah, it's philia xenia yeah the only thing i don't what i don't really understand what to do with quite is like i do have a pretty strong disgust response towards well, towards actively harming other people or towards condemning That's other people. That's an action. 
that's an action, not a person. Ah, okay. And even like I have a disgust response, not to myself, but towards the part in me that has a disgust response towards a given person. Like, okay, mm -hmm. there's some part in me that may feel periodically squirmy about a trans person. The direction that Christ calls my disgust mm -hmm. response to be is towards that thing in me that is othering right. them and keeping a, a boundary of hostility, as we talked about in Ephesians. Right. Yep. Like there's four fingers pointing back at me, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's not yeah, to call me a piece of shit. It's just to say that not, I... It's, it's not what comes into your body, but what comes out of it that makes you unclean. <sighs> It's this how you talk about people, the words, the thoughts that we use to describe others that are filled with contempt and disgust and harm. That's what it means to be unclean. Not, okay, I got to push on this. The right group. I yeah. got to push on this because uh, you said it's about the action. Like, is it's okay to have a disgust response towards the action? Is Am I saying be disgusted by the sin, not the sinner? <laughs> Because that's that's been a really toxic thing that um, conservatives have done towards gay people is hate the sin, not the sinner. Yeah, that is a tricky line. And I think it becomes a question of are, is that hate of the sin and supposed love of the sinner still showing up in ways that are harming people? Probably in mm -hmm. that example. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like being being polite to someone is not the same thing as loving them. Yes. And yes. that's usually how that gets met. Be polite to them, but make sure they know your stance on their evil behavior that they happen <laughs> right, to love someone right. of the same. Like, really? Like, I, is that actually loving them? I don't think uh, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think to the root of it is... Um, disgust quote unquote properly oriented is always is is never meant to be the normative way of moral formation like i'm not anti-racist no. because i'm disgusted by racism i'm anti-racist because i am learning to love everyone yeah like yes and it just hit me like we're not this is not to say that we are supposed to feel disgust yeah yeah that's saying like that you are required to have an emotion which emotions are information if i feel disgust i should notice that where is that coming from what is this leading me toward and then i make a decision having that information in hand but the disgust itself is not the goal and it shouldn't be in the driver's seat it's information to help direct my attention Mm. and it's not the only information I should be using to direct my attention and actions. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Direction of attention is seems pretty fundamental to this whole game. Mm -hmm. Well, let's direct our attention uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to the fourth gospel. <laughs> that was some spicy oh. prolegomena. Thanks, everybody. Speaking of religious technical language. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Let's get my screen. There we go. How's that Boom. look? Looks great. 
Okay. Here we are. So there's lots of places where words about cleansing or baptism or washing or mm-hmm. all, all sorts of words show up. We're just going to look at a couple of them. Um, this is what we have up here is John 3. Um, and I want to look at just like little bits of that. So we're starting at verse 22 here. So I this have, is right after the conversation with Nicodemus, right? Right. Yep. So after, when it starts with the word afterward, it's saying after that conversation with Nicodemus. It included like um, John 3.16 and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Afterward, Jesus and his students went to the land of Judea, and he spent time there with them and submerged people. Submerged being the word that I'm using instead of baptized. John was also submersing people in Anon near Salim because a lot of water was there. It's very practical. And people were coming and being submersed. This was when John had not yet been thrown in prison. Then there came to be a debate between John's students and a Judean about cleansing. Mm. So they came to John. Rabbi, they said to him, the one who was with you across the Jordan, the one who you vouched for, look, he is submersing people and everyone is going to him. And that's where I'll stop for now. But notice this connection of baptism means being cleansed. That's what this is talking about here. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that consecration, the, the ribbon cutting ceremony, the you have a purpose for connecting, like the tabernacle, for connecting the divine and humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so tempting to be able to like every the first time in each piece of literature. So like this fourth gospel, the first time immersion, baptismo, baptism is used. It's almost like I want to just have this parenthetical, not just a footnote, but in the freaking text saying a consecration and welcome ritual, a dedication ritual. Like when you hear that, when you hear baptism or you see this picture of an immersion ritual, understanding it as a, a ritual is a thing a people does together. Uh, And that it's not about washing your like sinful status before an angry God away so that you can be forgiven again. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I got to go back to confession or something. It's like... No, it's being designated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're arguing about it. They're arguing about it. And then later, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard Jesus was training and submersing more students than John, though Jesus was not submersing people himself, his students were, he left Judea behind and headed out again to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So we have bum, this bum, story bum. about talking about <laughs> yeah. cleansing and yeah. Yeah. submersing people in water. And then there's this transition. These are very connected stories. Chapter three and four are like pretty much have to be read together. Um, about a Samaritan woman and Jesus offering her never-ending living water living water meaning running water that was a requirement for ritual baptism 
Like you don't baptize in a lake, you baptize in moving water. Can't do it in a lake. It has to be a river or even a mikvah, uh, which is like a, a bath. Uh, I don't know if it's flippant to call it a bathtub, but it's a Jewish structure for ritual cleansing. And it had to be connected to, has to be still to this day, connected to a, a source of flowing natural water. Because mm-hmm. um, still water goes tepid. It goes uh, rancid. Um, you Right. That's that, that's where that's where mosquitoes and bugs and yeah, and it could make you sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could still Going get giardia out of a creek, stuff but... that <laughs> cleansing, having this other sense of what's clean is the stuff that brings health and well-being. Unclean is the stuff that could make you sick and hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the uh, oh, is that in Revelation? Um, like. Be hot or cold if you're lukewarm will yes. spit you out. Two different hot springs. water, hot water has been sterilized and sanitized through boiling. Cold water means it's moving. Lukewarm water yep. means it's been sitting out and going stagnant. and being filled with back. Yep. It's stagnant water. Like this mm-hmm. is there's so much more going on in these verses than like right. Well, he just likes hot or cold. <laughs> Yep. There's a real practical logic yeah. to some of this. Right. So, and, and then here, like, so Jesus offers living water to consecrate her for a purpose. And then she immediately goes and is the first person in the entire book to preach the gospel to other people. Mm-hmm. To the wrong, to the people who haven't been consecrated the yeah. right way. Who, haven't, who are not considered the called and consecrated sacred people. So the first person to be consecrate, well, there's a lot of people getting dunked in the river, but the first named character then goes out. The first non-Jewish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first named character that's going out there, like you've got Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, of God, saying like, this is my son. He's the son of God, you know. (laughs) But, uh, and then you have Nicodemus hiding away. meeting overnight but here it is light a day there is a cleansing energy to the story right and she is the kind of person that a quote-unquote good godly uh, jewish person would have a disgust response towards like there was some real racial ethnic cultural tension here for sure like and profound there, a lot of it was arguments about are they doing the God thing right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Samaritans only saw the Torah, the first five books of the scriptures as scripture. The, the, Jew, the Jews saw the whole Hebrew Bible as scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, the Samaritans thought worship should be on uh, on one mountain because that's where it was set up in torah Mm -hmm. but the jews reading through the conquest of jerusalem later in scripture and the temple being built there that that's where temple that worship should be have since they're using two different bodies of scripture they had two different ideas of what it meant to be faithful and couldn't connect Mm. Mm. whoa i just had a trippy realization that even the like ritual of being immersed in moving water 
mm-hmm. is being cleansed is a requirement to go to get to the top of a mountain. Like the ritual to get to be cleansed has to like water flows down. <laughs> you can't go up mm-hmm. to the temple to have that ritual. That's why they have the blood sprinkling and all that there as a um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, parallel alternative ritual for consecration reconsecration and dedication. yeah yeah not all cleansing is done with water a lot of it's done with blood some of it's done with oil which is where we get the word anointing which literally means to put oil or ointment on something um yeah which is why is- jesus christ actually just means oily josh um <laughs> oh gosh yeah te- i mean i suppose technically mm-hmm. let's Praise not <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not spread that around as our our typical usage. But I won't be taking this out in post. No, we're doing it live. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move my on deviations to here. Yeah, let's here. let's keep going. Yeah. So now what I have up is uh, from chapter thirteen, it's, uh, the Last Supper. There's some washing happening here. And if you're thinking in terms of washing is not about making sure people are not bad anymore, not disgusting anymore, but it's this ribbon cutting ceremony, the sense of I'm designating you for a purpose that you are now publicly acknowledged to have a role in connecting humanity and the divine it makes a lot of sense that as Jesus is watching people's feet, that he's real insistent about it. So mm-hmm. then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the students' feet and wipe them off with the towel that was wrapped around them. Then Simeon Peter came to him. Lord, he said, are you going to wash my feet? Right now, you don't understand what I'm doing, Jesus answered. But this is how you will learn, which is why ritual is so important. Doing things helps it soak in so to speak oh um you must not wash my feet even to the end of the age peter told him if i don't wash you jesus responded you have no part with me lord simon peter said don't wash only wash my feet but also my hands and head jesus saying this is me inaugurating your role as part of this kingdom of priests right like mm-hmm. do you want that or not it's like oh that's what you're doing then yes give it give it as much as you can i'm like, in i'm in yeah cannonball <laughs> yeah yeah and so yeah then it goes into a little bit more about who needs to be cleansed and so mm-hmm. not all of you clean meaning not all and it's like well, Judas is disgusting still. It's like, no, his, his, he is not moved into living in a way that leads to life and well-being and, and health and connection with the divine. He's still about to do more stuff that leads to death, very literally. Yeah. Yeah, there's a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death, begins to decay. In Deuteronomy 30, 
choose life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clean, cleanseness or uncleanness is about a fidelity to neighborliness and uh, participating in the sacred flow of love towards all life and beyond. And if you, to be cleansed, to go through this sacred ritual, social ritual, is to... Like Jesus did. Like Jesus did, is by, to say, like, yeah, I am on board. Like, I am, this is the way of being human that I am being immersed into. Right. And, and it's not yes, because Jesus can... was disgusting and sinful and bad. <laughs> right, right. Nobody's arguing not... that. Yeah. It's yeah. Adoptionism is not what's going on here. Right. Right. It's the inaugur inauguration of living into the role to which you've been called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why, yeah, Jesus wasn't like getting his sins forgiven or something like that. It's he, he was, he had been like being a good Jewish boy, working with the dad doing carpentry. And this is the point where he's like this discerned calling and vocation ruptures forth. And no wonder he hears activate the, it. Yeah, yeah. And it like, and we all see it. And some people hear it. Sounds like thunder to some. Like, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Mm -hmm. Do what he says. Yep. Yeah. Like that's so the kind of thing you water... would hear at a, a ribbon cutting ceremony. Like yes. this yeah. is the building yeah. that we're gonna do good shit in. Mm -hmm. Let's do good shit. <laughs> yeah. Not yep. you are no longer a piece of right yeah and i know we've said it before and i want to say it again and that isn't about jesus got to be flushed so that we don't have to be right it's not about the killing to get the blood when we're talking about the, the sprinkling of the blood and the cleansing with that it's yeah. the pouring out from any yeah it's it's not the it's not the death that's in the killing the violence that's the goal it's using the blood as a symbol for covering this with life to live live into the purpose of promoting life for everyone and everything mm -hmm. i think that's a wonderful place to wrap this episode up uh next week we are going to get into some pretty uh meta and trippy fun conversations about who the hell actually wrote this and uh, what might the weird implications of it be? It's going to be a fun little detour I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, but for the week ahead, may, may we all uh, be letting the divine cleanse us of disgust towards ourself and one another. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining us on this leg of the journey. The easiest way to support Founding Translation is to leave us a rating or review whatever app or player you're enjoying it on or you know what just tell your friends about it send them a link if you found this episode helpful or provocative good send it along please do we want to get more people involved in this conversation and journey second best way to support the show is become a sponsor you can do that for just five dollars a month when you do that you get comment access on the translations google doc and the satisfaction that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media you can find the link to join the community in the show notes music you're listening to is by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com 
Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook and Kalapuya lands. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody.